In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Hogwarts, Harry Potter has to find a secret chamber with a snake in it. Um, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Chamber of Secrets chamber today. with a snake in it. That sounds so We're going to be... Yeah, well, uh, oh, I didn't even think about that. But, hey, we're talking about Chamber of Secrets today. This is our 41st episode. We're actually recording this almost directly after our doing episode, which is why we actually have something to say this week about what we've been up to in the past week. So, Anthony, what have you been up to since I spoke to you last week? Well, you know, watching our material for this week, of course. Like I said, I always like to get a nice, fresh watch in. And I've been bouncing back and forth between Metroid Dread. Um, I've been trying to savor it and playing that game, New World. That, that yeah, you were telling me about fun. that. Yeah. And, oh my goodness. Like, I mean, but being a gamer, you do this. I'm also like back on a stint with uh, Overwatch. Like I hadn't played it for a little while and now I'm back playing it. I mean, I play a little bit on, on console, but I mostly play it on PC. I just like the mouse and keyboard. It was weird at first when I first started doing it, but now I'm used to it. Nice, nice. Cool, man. So uh, what what characters are you playing mostly? So what I'm trying to do, because I, I want to get into back kind of into competitive, and it's a little rough um, when you're like in the lower ranks. So what I'm trying to do is trying to play characters that kind of fit well with with like my play style and, and characters that can can help contribute on the team. Say that somebody's lacking, I can do something to help boost that side. You know, sometimes there's characters who aren't uh, doing so well. Uh, say that you have like a Reinhardt and they keep on charging into into the enemy and they just keep on dying. So if say I'm playing Lucy at that point, I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me let me keep my character alive by maybe using Baptiste because he has this little immortality field thing. So yeah, just different stuff like that. I, 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 I'm I, always like kind of like learning the game and the game always kind of changes. So I like doing stuff like that and um, it's really fun. But I, I mean, I, I know cool. you haven't really played too much in a long time. I know, the the game is almost foreign to me at this point. I, you know what I do want to get into now that uh, they're, they're doing a pretty significant update to it Apparently, I haven't actually seen what the update is, but Animal Crossing. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's dropping in November. And from what I'm hearing, this is going to be the the only like real significant update that they're doing. And that production on the game is really going to just slow to maybe patches and seasonal updates. So this is going to be the next big or the, you know, the most significant update from this point on. Yeah. Just like um, Sora dropping on uh, Smash Bros, like that's the last character. Uh, development on the game is pretty much done, except for maybe minor fixes and whatnot. Uh, which kind of sucks because, well, for Animal Crossing, because Animal Crossing really isn't that old. It came out last year, so we're only, I mean, I know we're rounding towards the end of the year. So it's almost two years old, but... It's probably about a year and a half at this point. Right, Because it, right. it dropped right around when the quarantine began right. in March of last year. Right. So for me, it's still pretty new. Um, I'm thinking that you should probably... Like, th there should be, like, another, like, at least two big updates after this. It's before you actually, you know, shelve the game de developmental-wise. 
But I mean, that's that's them. Maybe they they just they want to work on something else. Smash Bros. They've been working on the game for years. It's been out for a while, so it makes sense for them to eventually shelve it. But for Animal Crossing, I'm like, mm, it's a little too new to talk about not developing anymore. You know. Well, you know, it may be it may be uh, a waning player base, and it may just it may just need the update to like you know reinvigorate whoever's working on the project to say that oh there's still you know growth in this uh, game we can still work on it a little more get a little uh, more time and effort out of it so we'll see that's true uh, obviously. yeah once you once you like progress through the beginning of the game and you've already you've kind of developed up your island uh, to kind of the way that you want to there's really not much to do I think most people when they job i mean unless you're a diehard fan but most of other people will hop on for maybe like 30 minutes to an hour and then they're like okay i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty much what it is uh but you know those those first like two months of playing were really fun it was super addicting just you know just doing random stuff fishing uh collecting yeah. random oh, materials yeah. and selling items selling turnips it was whatever. it was really addicting um Everybody else was playing it, so you had a lot of people that you could go and hang out with them and visit their islands. I, I really, really do think that Animal Crossing came out at the time that it was needed. I think that it it really fulfilled something that people were missing. You know, I mean, you couldn't go and party with friends. I mean, the way that you and I are talking, that that's how people had their interaction, but then they also had something else that they could interact with each other by going into each other's homes and and you know just kind of playing together so and i, yeah, and I thought sure. that was really cool that i think that was like a kind of like a big win for for video games because there i mean there's a lot of people who weren't really big in video games that hopped onto this true yeah and people that like myself that like don't game as much were able to jump back in and it was totally yeah. just felt yeah. right back into gaming and stuff so that was fun uh have you been doing anything else besides uh playing overwatch and stuff well you know me gaming to me is kind of like how uh tv shows and movies are to you i mean i have been okay. watching i've been watching anime i've been catching up on fire force i've heard that's pretty good yeah it's pretty good it's like a shonen firefighter anime where like they they actually fight fire but like it's hand to hand combat because people are combusting into these fire creatures that sounds fascinating oh yes yeah, so. speaking of speaking of anime um i do want to mention uh, a couple months back crunchyroll was bought out by funimation right so and they haven't really made any big moves as far as whether the Funimation stuff is going on to Crunchyroll or Crunchyroll stuff is going on to Funimation and how the dub system is going to work and the sub system because the subs on Funimation titles that are also on Crunchyroll titles are very different or not very different but they have a different team working on that kind of stuff so I'm, I'm just curious what's going to happen like with all of the, this this uh, merging and stuff because eventually they want to make some big super thing and I have right, some theories. Right. And I, and I think that what they should do, because I know that Crunchyroll, I, and I mean, unless I'm wrong, you know, and tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, guys, if, if you, if you know anything else that's better out there, but I know that Crunchyroll, when it comes to the subs, like they're like the best. I have always felt that way. Yeah. And that's kind of, 
that's kind of why I've never really um, given Funimation too much of a, a try. But, you know, back at New York Comic Con last weekend, usually there's a huge Crunchyroll booth. There was nothing Crunchyroll. Yeah, but I Funimation, that. Funimation had like three booths. So that seems to be what's happening is that it's just going to emerge into Funimation. And I think Crunchyroll was the bigger streamer in terms of like actual numbers, but Sony owns Funimation. So Sony or so Funimation had more money. Right. Was who able to who buy owned Crunchyroll? Crunchyroll? I'm not I'm not sure. Let me look that up really quick. No, cuz I I'm I'm just curious, but yeah. Uh, Funimation is really really good for somebody who wants to watch an anime that is dubbed and you know so, i'm not i'm and i'm and i'm not all about that you know oh subs better dubs better um because there's some anime that the the dubs really really good and so is the sub um yeah. and then some some of the dub sounds kind of corny and then sometimes in a world where there's so much distraction a lot of people don't have the attention span or have really the time to sit and watch and read the subtitles so dub really like suits them true true yeah so um at&t was the previous owner mm. of crunchyroll so actually it's a that. that's it's a pretty big right. company actually so yeah I don't it know is they it's sold, massive actually so anyway i don't know but we'll we'll see how that uh merger completes in the coming months and years because you know it took it took fox quite a quite a long time to merge with disney Yes. Yeah, it took like a. What did it take? Like a year or so. I feel like we're still seeing. The, yeah. That play out. Yeah. Because because Free Guy, that that movie with Ryan Reynolds, that was made primarily during its uh, being a Fox owned movie, mm. but they were able to add some stuff into it now that the the Disney was also included. That like, makes I sense. I think they had some like cameos and references to other Disney stuff, but. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. That's why I did see Free Guy, and there was some uh, Star Wars and, and different references in there. Uh, so that makes sense. But even like on the Marvel side of things, like you'd think that we'd have characters like Fantastic Four and X Men already in the movies. It's been like a couple years at this point, but they they're taking their time with everything. So I, which I'm I'm happy about. Yeah, Marvel's good yeah. at taking their time. Yeah, we don't so, we don't want to make a, a DC mistake. All right, all right. Let's not rag on DC. We <laughs> ragged enough last last episode. Hey, hey, hey! I'll give I'll, I'll give them. You know their comics and the, their uh, animated their animated series are really good. They do have a couple of good uh, series. I I enjoyed Star Girl. I thought that was pretty good. I haven't seen Star Girl, so uh, I, I can't really say. But it's good to hear that you uh, enjoyed that. And uh, they're still killing it with the CW stuff. Obviously, it's not my it's not my brand of uh, entertainment. I think it was a really cool thing 10 years ago but with the advent and like the uh not the advent but with the addition of like the netflix marvel stuff that came out um that really pushed the brand of like superhero stuff on tv into the next level and everything since then has been just a higher quality of super superhero tv stuff so yeah yeah no especially with uh, stuff like you know the Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, even a show like What If was pretty high caliber, even if it wasn't our favorite. You know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, we, we've got a little little bit of talking in and 
and talked about what I've been up to. What about you, Dakota? What what have you been up to? Um, since last week, I've just kind of been on catch up. You know, I haven't really watched any movies that we're not like currently covering on the the podcast. But you know, I watched a little bit of Twin Peaks: The Return. I watched. Uh, I've been watching more of My Hero Academia, mm. which has been fun. Yeah, uh, I no, think I'm great. like on eight or nine now. I'm, I, we're taking it slow, you know, like a couple episodes a day. But it's been good, you know. I, I have no complaints about that. We've been watching it dubbed, as I as I mentioned uh, in episode thirty eight, just because, like you said. Some people have other stuff that they have to do while they're trying to catch up on stuff. And that's what Jen's up to at this point. She has a lot of schoolwork that she's got to do and all that. So That's cool. So that's what we've been doing. I am still reading the Star Wars novel Ronin. It's like a Star Wars Visions novel set in the Visions uh, universe. You know, the the, uh, the characters from the, the short The Duel. You're right. Uh, the one right. that's in black and white. It follows those characters past that point. I got to tell you, it's it's a really hard book for me to get into. You know, oh, at first really? I was really, I was really enjoying it at the, uh, you know, a couple hours in, and then all of a sudden I lost the plot totally. Oh like, wow! It, it's not, it's not hard to follow, I guess, but it's just not my style mm. of Star Wars. At the end of the day, I think it's a good book, uh, but it's not necessarily my flavor. So. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now, unfortunately. But I do plan on finishing it uh, in the coming days. I got, I got like two hours left on Audible. So that's that. As far as anything else, I haven't really been reading anything. I haven't been watching anything or playing anything. Uh, I haven't mentioned this on the show, but I, I quit Gotcha Games. Um, oh, A couple months really? back now. Yeah, a couple months back now I quit Gotcha Games just because I was losing sleep, honestly. Really? Were you really? Were you like addicted? It might have been an... Uh, you know, it might have been a, a fear of missing out on a, on events or whatever. Like, oh, there's a new event, so I gotta I gotta get all the characters on this, or I have to get all the tokens or or whatever oh, while okay. the event is going on. And it was just I, I was taking up too much of my mental faculty. And since then, I've been making more videos. Being you know, we've been better on time with the podcast. I've been getting better sleep. So all around, I think it was a good idea. Although I miss it, you know, I enjoy it. I have all those. You know, I have a lot of hours put into those games. So yeah. if I ever go back, it's it's fine. But I needed to I needed to take a break. So that's that's where I've been there. But anyway, should we jump into our uh, discussion of the Chamber of Secrets? Yes. Let's talk. Wanna... Let's talk about the Chamber of Secrets and what the secret is. It's a big snake. <laughs> it's a massive snake. Um, so this movie is. Here I, I can I can tell you in just like a few wor- words. This movie is about a diary, a giant snake, and giant spiders. The end. It's a pretty good summation of like the big. <laughs> how do you call flying it? Flying cars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like things in this episode. Uh, what, what's the word for it? MacGuffins isn't really the right word, although there are plenty of MacGuffins in this, but. We'll we'll talk about that and more in the over the course of this podcast. You know, this is the longest Harry Potter movie. I know you were you were telling me that. That's actually pretty insane because I feel it doesn't feel like it's all that long. 
Yeah, so let me look up longest Harry Potter movie. It is The Chamber of Secrets at 2 hours and 41 minutes. And then it's The Goblet of Fire at 2 hours 37. Half-Blood Prince, 2 hours 33. Sorcerer's Stone, and so on. So, um, yeah, this is the longest by at least a couple minutes. And it doesn't feel like the longest. You it were, you're really mentioning, doesn't. You were mentioning that The Prisoner of Azkaban actually feels like the longest. <laughs> yeah, because... You get to a certain point where you start watching the movie twice, the same parts twice, but from different perspectives, of course. Right. So, you know, as as beautiful of a movie as Prisoner of Azkaban is, I think it's actually probably the most or one of the most cinematic of the Harry Potter films, just because it's, um, you know, it's got a darker tone. The music's a little darker. Yeah. The characters are growing up as we watch them. And yeah, stuff. you're right. It's like. So, so they kind of in the first two movies they kind of look the same. They look a little a little older in the second one, but then once you hit that third one, it's like they sprout. Yeah, and that's kind of what they look like for the rest of the series, almost. You know, there's there's a that's the most significant jump is from two and three. I I do believe that this is the or Prisoner of Azkaban is the darkest and moodiest. Maybe moodiest is the right word. But yeah, we'll, when we'll, it comes, we'll get back. I mean, we'll get deeper into that when we reach it. Yeah, but you know, just we're, we're talking about it now. Right, right. At the very, at the very least, you're right that the fact that we have to watch it, watch a good portion of the movie twice, is a little jarring. Or not jarring. That's the wrong word. But it's it's tiring, especially on like an uh, maybe not the first viewing. Even though I don't even remember my first viewing. It's been so long. Um, but as a repeat viewing. It's it's a movie that I'm just kind of like exhausted by already. Just thinking about it, I'm exhausted. Going through the pumpkin patch again and running up and down into the forest and oh no, Professor Lupin. Blue. All right, <laughs> we'll get into all that later, uh, way down the line, maybe next year sometime because we already have the rest of our shows this year planned out. But Chamber of Secrets, let's get into it because believe it or not, Anthony, this is my favorite of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, is it really? It is yeah nice so so I, what I, what about it it makes it your favorite i think it's you know it still has how do i it's hard to explain there's a certain mood that the chamber of secrets conveys right you know, it, it's a very it's a very fall movie so it, it it's good time to watch it now it's a very um it still has the heartwarming aspect that the sorcerer stone has you know it's still a feel-good movie at the end of the day whereas after this point it stops being that uh when it comes to harry potter like the the, the rest of the films are still you know they're still like exciting and you know you want to watch them and everything but they're not the feel-good movies that the first two are and i think that's because chris columbus was the director on these and that's how he wanted to interpret them and then there's the fact that this is very much a play-by-play of the book. So yeah. in my mind, the first two movies are pretty much canon, while the rest of them kind of veer off into their own little territory. So in my mind, this is exactly what happens in the books. This is this is the canon story at this point, you know? So in my I, I appreciate that. And they were able to capture the the feel and mood of the books really well with this. So that's that's where I'm at with this. Um, I was also listening to the music, which the first two were composed by John Williams. Did he do any more, or was it just the? He did the third. He did the third. He one did the well. third one. Okay, 
um yeah and i'm like man this sounds like magical star wars <laughs> there's certain Dude, like, like you motifs could, that like yes, that you pick up yeah he has certain motifs that that he uses in everything that he kind of composes that you know it's john williams like i i can watch a movie and just be like man who 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 composes this it sounds like john williams and more than likely it is john williams <laughs> yeah um, I mean, you don't see that too much with new movies nowadays because the guy's uh, in his 90s and stuff. So, um, you know, every every movie we get with his score at this point is uh, is kind of a miracle and everything and some, somehow still amazing. He composed the last three Star Wars movies and he did a fantastic job. He's composing the new Indiana Jones movie, which, uh, you know, hopefully is, you know, uh, a, a good film. It is a shame that we didn't get him for the rest of the Harry Potter films because I, the soundtracks do get lost in the mix past Prisoner of Azkaban, I've noticed. Yeah, like some, some of them are, are pretty good and then some of them are like forgettable. Yeah, I think four and f- four, four is definitely the most forgettable for me. Five is a little bit better and then the last three are kind of just like tones i i, I don't know if i can am i explaining that correctly right but like they're just kind of like uh, right you know, well, I, I don't know and i feel like instead of like enhancing the moment they're in the moment like whatever it's a if it's like a dark moment they play the music to make sure that you understand that it's like a dark moment you know I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking about the scene uh, in the graveyard in Guardian, or not Guardians, um, Goblet of Fire. Da, na, na, na. You know, they're they're Voldemort's coming back and everything. So, yeah. Um, let's let's we're we're talking too much about the overall Harry Potter uh, thing, which we'll probably do again and again throughout this episode that's recorded. <laughs> but we should reel it in. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. It's um, let's talk more about chamber of secrets and i mean you know just to say it it is hard to talk about one movie without talking about more than just that movie i know yeah. it is it is but yeah no uh so so yeah chamber of secrets uh, i agree it's still it still has that feel good moment they still look like kids it does have that seasonal feel to to it and then yeah the rest of them there's not that seasonal feel um like that first one has like a the first one's very much a christmas movie right right it's like yeah very winter very christmasy and then yeah this one's like a fall one so yeah so yeah so that's that's how i feel about them uh some amazing cgi in this movie and we're gonna talk about that because what they were able to do with dobby back in the early 2000s right insane insane like the lighting that they were capable of doing so let's talk about that we're, you know we're starting off at the dursley's home which is part of the magic of these movies it's you know this character who doesn't want to be in this position he doesn't want to be in this place he knows that the dursleys have no love for him particularly right and he wants to go to his real home, which is Hogwarts. You know, it's it's the place that he has. It's the first place he's, he's that he's ever felt at home. Right. He he's. It's the first place that he's felt like he's belonged, and like he's found his people. Um, the thing that I do like about Harry is that he does have 
that perspective that non-magical perspective because like everybody that's grown up in the wizarding world doesn't know much about muggles but harry knows a lot more so i think it's like pretty cool that you know, you know like there's comments that that he'll make and 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 i'm thinking like you know it's cool to it's i think it's good to have somebody that knows this stuff you know and what i like about you know the character of harry potter in this movie is a, a big subplot is the idea of pure-blood families oh, and yeah. harry potter isn't necessarily um pure-blooded because his mother was uh muggle-born so he's like three-quarter pure-blood and his his father's lineage from all from what i'm aware is pure-blooded so he's not necessarily a pure-blooded person but He's shown the worst of Muggle society in the Dursleys, you know? Yeah. They're just terrible people. They're horrible to him. And yet he's not embittered by Muggles. Yeah. Never is he, like, ever um, anti-Muggle, even though that's pretty much his only experience is being bullied by Muggles. Yeah. You know? And that, that just goes to show the character difference between him and someone like Lucius Malfoy, who's very pure blood he's disgusted by muggles he you know he points out hermione's parents in um in the bookshop and you know he he just kind of sneers at them you know and it's just it's a disgusting contrast that this wizard who's he's canonically a billionaire in wizard money is so disgusted by you know a lowly muggle who has no powers or can do no harm to him right right because uh hermione she's muggle born and then they use a a term for that, which is mudblood. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was mistakenly gonna call <laughs> Lily uh, a mudblood at first, and then I, I was like, wait, that that's not right. Let's just call her Muggleborn. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it is pretty disgusting what uh, some of these characters you know will will do to each other or try to rationalize in their head as, in terms of like what is pure or right and what isn't right and i think it is reflective of the society that you know we exist in we we have a lot of racism in our society we have a lot of unrest with people who think certain people should uh be cer certain people should occupy certain things and certain people shouldn't and that's 100 percent wrong so i it, this is a f I should say it's not necessarily a fun way, but it's an interesting way to get young readers and young viewers in this case to start thinking about their actions and how calling some people certain things is degrading and why it's degrading. And it's, I think it's a, it's a well done uh, piece. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, with the world building for this, the second uh, Harry Potter story, was really good it, it was really good because um you know wh when you hear like these certain terms it's very obvious that it's an insult and there's so many times that i've seen movies or read books and there's an insult in there and it's like okay i understand this is an insult but it doesn't seem like it has much of a it would it wouldn't bother me if somebody called me that but like you know, mudblood. I think it it hits a little closer to to like reality in a sense that I know that I mean I don't think anybody would want to be called mudblood. Essentially, you're calling them like a tarnished person. You know? 
Yeah, dirty blood. It it sucks. Yeah, it's it's disgusting, and um, we'll talk more about that when we get to it. Actually, you know, we're 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 on the subject now. Uh, we might as well talk about the fact that Ron tried to cast um, a spell like eat slugs on Malfoy for using mud blood in uh, Hermione's presence, and it backfired. <laughs> and when they're in wand. Hagrid's when they're in Hagrid's hut, uh, you know, he's like spewing up all these disgusting huge slugs honestly there's a great line where there i forget what everyone else says i think hermione says it's a really vile thing to say and then ron spews up a a slug and he goes it's disgusting and it's just it fits so well with the conversation even though he might be talking about the slugs but he might actually just be talking about what's what the conversation's about and it's 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 just well written right right so that's a scene that i like but all right, moving back. We're, we're at Dursley's house. Harry hasn't seen his friends in a couple months. He hasn't heard from his his friends. He doesn't know why he hasn't heard from his friends, but he's cooped up, and it's a big night for the Dursleys. They have some guests coming over. Uh, he's, he's about to make his best sale. Uh, Vernon Dursley's about to make his best sale in uh, of his career, supposedly. Yeah. You know, and basically they just want Harry to lock himself away don't be in- involved because you know inevitably whenever harry's involved something goes wrong not necessarily his fault usually but um he he does have uh <laughs> some magical influence over objects around him usually so they don't want him anywhere near uh the couple that's coming over for i him. think i think it's just in general i mean mcgonagall makes that comment later down the line actually between the three of them yeah she's like why is it always you three or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> which is which is funny because they're always at the center of uh, the, the mayhem. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So and, and it's funny because in this beginning, this beginning part, Harry really has no control over this. But you know, we get this is where we get uh, introduced to Dobby, the house elf. Right, and I think yeah. I think Dobby is. Uh, a fascinating inclusion especially when it comes to the actual way that they were able to accomplish it you know we have harry uh, we have you know daniel radcliffe acting uh with something that's not there in his it's not there he's acting with something that's just like a floating thing you know he's lifting him up he's uh shoving him into things uh and 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 so on and so forth but the crazy thing is this thing that is not there is interacting with objects that are there. Like he starts grabbing a lamp and that to me is the craziest, uh, most impressive feed of CGI in this movie to get the, not only get the lighting right, but also get the lighting right on a lamp that is illuminating the object. And, and you see the shadows in the forward. background because he's hitting you see, Yeah. You see, yeah. You see the reflection in the mirror. It's perfect. You see the shadow also reflects Dobby doing all this. They just nailed the lighting in the scene, and that's amazing because this was early 2000s. This was new technology. I think this was before Gollum was even in Lord of the Rings back in I think 2002. So yeah, this was a uh, this was big. Oh boy. Um, yeah, no, it, yeah. it was really cool. Um, so so we find out that Dobby is the one that's been intercepting all the messages. And it, it's it's an effort to keep Harry from going to Hogwarts because he says that something bad is going to happen and he wants to protect Harry, which 
is a little interesting because I know that Harry Potter is Harry Potter is popular amongst like everybody, but Dobby in in a sense is a little random. He kind of comes out of nowhere. He does. So we learn later on, and I you know if you're watching this, you've probably read and or have seen this movie. So spoilers all around, but. We learn later that Dobby is the house elf to the Malfoy family. Mm. And the reason he realizes that Harry should not go to Hogwarts this year is because the Malfoys are planning a dastardly plot to bring back the Dark Lord, Voldemort. Um, and in so doing, the, the whole plan was to, to leave a, uh, a horcrux with the diary of Tom Riddle in somebody's like bag or whatever it was probably lucius was going to give it to malfoy uh or lucius was going to give it to draco and bring it into to school and just kind of leave it about but it got to the point where they were in the bookstore and lucius found the weasleys and did a really cruel thing and like you know giving this to some first year girl yeah who was you know from from a poor wizarding family and everything it, it's just a crap thing to do uh lucius is one of those characters that's just irredeemable right yeah, he and that the actor. I mean, he does such a really good job at selling how sinister he is. You know. Yeah, um, but because Dobby knew the plan, he kept trying to stop Harry Potter. Which you know, by the time that Harry gets into Hogwarts, it should be a little too late for Dobby to stop him from that. But he continues to make Harry's life a living hell. <laughs> Uh, throughout yeah. the entirety of the thing he's really the ultimate antagonist of this movie so everything everything that happens that's bad for harry is dobby's fault <laughs> i know um he, he's like uh, he's like why are you trying to kill me it's like i don't mean to kill harry just simply maim maim <laughs> maim him it's still bad oh my gosh yeah no, <laughs> it's still it's terrible it's, he's like i'm just trying to protect you and it's like, I mean, essentially, it's like, look, this is for your own good. And then you go to stab somebody in their leg or something to stop them from going somewhere. Yeah. And I, I feel so bad for Harry when um, the cake uh, that Dobby like drops on that person's head. I feel so bad because like if I were Harry at that point, I would have ran back upstairs like I had nothing to do with it. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But but then but then again the Dursleys you know that they would have been like yo oh no the Dursleys would have yeah, known but the the people yeah. would have just been like what happened that was such a freak accident and they could have made any number of excuses you know like oh it was on the stove and it popped or something I don't whatever it doesn't make any sense no no but, yeah uh, yeah no it was it was fine I like that little effect though like uh, when when the cake was floating it had like these like little like cloudy wisps underneath it yeah uh what jen was saying the other day like how self magic is interesting because we don't understand how it works we don't we barely understand how wizard magic works really but how self magic is a little more powerful than wizard magic yes they don't they don't um, even use a wand yeah uh, it, there's yeah there, exactly there's no they, they have no need to channel energy through wands imagine if they did have wands they, they they'd rule the world um <laughs> Fair and I, I don't i don't know what it is but like Jen said something like, uh, what if Harry just said, fine, I'm not going to Hogwarts. Like, would Dobby have left him alone? In Psycho I don't think so. Because I think 
there might be something to like the you know the power of your word uh. especially when it comes to a magical being like a house elf so it, it may have been like a, a a binding thing like i can't go if i say i'm not going then i'm not then i can't go but also it's just a, a matter of it's also a matter of the fact that like harry doesn't want to lie and that's that's a good thing and it's a good thing to teach kids not to lie obviously right right you know it's it's many it's the little things like that that help develop his character especially as the the movies continued to come out yeah so i I love the line by dursley where he's just like it's my nephew he's he's very disturbed (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh dude like the the casting in these movies and you know it it just it was so on point for sure yeah the dursleys were probably one of the best cast of everyone yeah they did Um, so good so although i think all three of them yeah especially uh vernon and petunia in my opinion Uh, dudley kind of as the series went on the the actor lost a lot of weight and he started looking a little more handsome and i think that that kind of put a uh, a damper on the like the dudley being the big dumb one but so there's that but anyway they they put a lock on his uh, on his window, some bars up, and I I find that scene pretty funny. Now that I'm actually like working construction, I'm seeing what Vernon is doing with the screw gun, and he's totally stripping the nail that he's like screwing in. And I'm like, why is he doing that? Isn't that's his, that's literally his job? Like he sells uh, these screw guns to people. He screw and and he's doing it all wrong. But I I digress. That's not something most people would notice. <laughs> A little bit of insight from Dakota. A little bit of insight. So, story continues. Uh, Harry wakes up in the middle of the night. He hears a car rumbling by his window. and It turns out to be a Ford Anglia (laughs) with three Weasleys in it. In the uh, sky. (laughs) Yes. They break him out. And uh, <laughs> I love that they put so many locks on Harry's door that they couldn't even open it in time to like get him out of there. It, yeah, ended up backfiring on them. Like <laughs> Vernon's like <laughs> he's like trying to like hurry, but 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 he still got in there quick enough to like grab him by his ankle, which was impressive. Yes, I, yeah, I that kind of guy falling from a second story window would really hurt himself. Ooh, man, that it was a he like fell That's on his physical back therapy. Too. Yeah, I yeah, uh, that, that physical therapy would be like months. months. His size, his age, all of that, dude. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that, that would not have been a good fall. And you know, Harry's just laughing it off as as they go. I know the Dursleys. He's like, ah, no, not he the fell Dursleys, off the, the window. <laughs> yeah, I really like what they did with the the Weasley's burrow. You know, I think it's a it's sufficiently magical but also cozy you know yeah. their, their house you know you can tell that they're poor but they're content and they're happy individuals and i i really appreciate that they were able to capture that vibe with with their burrow yeah i know like they were they really did do a good job in in establishing these different settings because i think reading i didn't have a, a mental picture of of how specific places looked but then when i actually saw them in these movies that's that's what i would picture reading the books now right yeah they they did a really good job with that i love all of the weasleys 
they they cast Molly and Arthur so well. Yes, dude, so many people in these movies are cast are cast perfectly. Fred and George. I love when. Oh yeah, I love when they uh, bring. They're they're all eating breakfast at the table, and Arthur comes in. You know, he's like nine raids, nine, and then he sits down. He's just like, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and then probably probably the best Arthur line in the entire series is when he goes uh you know harry goes harry harry potter and <laughs> arthur with just a blank f- a-, a blank face goes good lord are you really <laughs> he he nails that so well and it, it fits his character perfect i know uh yeah the the characters are just they did so well in bringing these characters to life and I mean, it, it really it really was believable. And I think that that's why these movies are so beloved is because I, at least you and I, we grew up reading them. Um, and I've said this before on the podcast that if it weren't for you, I probably wouldn't have grown up reading them. But I mean, like just seeing it on the screen, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is Harry Potter. Yeah, it, it, I, I totally feel that. All right, let's jump forward a little bit because we're we're spending a lot of time in the beginning of the movie so let's let's speed it up a little bit as we go along so they go to Diagon Alley and they use flu powder and Harry messes up he says Diagon Alley I I, I know which like you know even if you mess up on that it still says Diagon Alley he didn't say Nocturne Alley right so it's it's good it's a little blah it is a little confusing, like how he still landed in basically Diagon Alley. You know, it's just a street over. Um, whatever. I, I, who am I to complain about that? But I do want to mention the flu powder thing because I think that is supposed to be a class distinction thing. You know, I think flu powder is like an old-fashioned way of travel, mm. maybe a little bit dirtier, which is why you know the Weasleys and everyone are and Harry too come out so dirty from their their travel via flu flu powder yeah and it may be the case i don't know if this was intentional or not but in the first movie when they're on the train going to hogwarts um hermione goes you have dirt on your nose by the way just right there or something like that um that might be a reference to the fact that they use flu powder to get there yeah i might be wrong there but i don't know no no i i i think i i agree um, it makes sense. You want to talk a little bit about what happens in uh, Diagon Alley? In in uh, which Diagon 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 Alley or Diagon Alley? We'll start start in diagonally and then diagonally. Go, go over I, to... oh, okay. Yeah. So you know the, this this place it's it's uh, it's creepy. He like ends up in some like Spoopy. abandoned like shop and. I think he actually ends up in Borgen and Burks, which is like uh, a super dark side shop that like uh pops up later on in the series right but it just some it just seems abandoned Uh, it seems abandoned in that moment and so yeah like he steps outside it's obvious that he's in a bad place because it's like really gritty and dark and all the people around him are like staring at him it's like weird that how like one child can like draw the attention of like an entire alley 
but they still he still well, did. My, my question is, what were those people gonna do with Harry Potter? Because they didn't know it was Harry Potter. They were just like, "You lost, sweetie." I know. Come. I know. She sounded like a like an old timey witch, like from like Hansel and Gretel. Like, <laughs> where are you gonna go? Right. Let me bake you into this pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, Hagrid finds them. They go over to the books, the the bookstore to get some material. And lo and behold, we we meet our next Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. At this point, it's Professor Lockhart, Gilderoy Lockhart, which again is a perfect casting. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't read that book again and not think about. Um, that actor i know dude Ugh. like he he did such a he did such a good job i love so how slimy he is yeah yeah i i love how full of himself he is and everyone knows it everyone like all the teachers are just like oh really you know every scene that he says like uh you know this or that yeah. the teachers all like i know the perfect well, spell got this. for this situation dude i <laughs> i love uh, Dumbledore's face when he says, "It's a shame I wasn't here. I, I would, I knew the, per- I would know, I know the perfect spell to reverse petrification." And Dumbledore just looks at him like, "Boy, shut up." I know. <laughs> he just like kind of like looks at him over his glasses, kind of like. Yeah, uh, he like kind of like drops his head, drops his head to look over the glasses, and yeah, it just he's the which worst. Gets he's me, probably the which gets me thinking. Like, why did he let him teach there? you know a cursory glance over his life works uh that he's written about in his like autobiographies uh should be enough to like make you think that this guy has uh the (laughs) um the ability to teach this class because he's so uh at least he seems proficient enough in the in the defense against the dark arts but uh obviously he's a total hack and we see that again and again and i love it by the end of the movie they they tell him like oh uh you said that you knew where the chamber of secrets is this is this is on you and he basically just starts packing oh yeah for real <laughs> what a, what a jerk. it's like oh yeah I'm, uh, I'm sorry that this is happening but uh yeah peace um I know. yeah no it's it's crazy so yeah, we we've talked a little, a little bit of, of about that. Um, I think that there's like you know certain things that 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 we don't need to speak about, like you know especially in that beginning part, it, it, it introduces us to, to some like key characters. Um, obviously, they they go back to they go back to Hogwarts, um, but but they take the long route because Dobby blocks the path to the train. And Dobby's the worst. He really is. So they end up stealing their parents' uh, car to go over to to Hogwarts, and you know, almost get hit by a train. So the rest, the rest of the kids in the train, like the Hogwarts Express, were they also, dude? That would have been legendary, you know? Like they would have been legends for the rest of their time at Hogwarts. Remember that time uh, those two were <laughs> flying their car instead of dry uh, you know taking the the train like the rest of us because they just followed the train the other kids had to have seen them right right and then i thought it was pretty cool and maybe maybe not at first because they did have that um that cloak on remember they had that like invisibility thing 
Because Harry, Harry's right. like, uh, just to let you know, most muggles are not accustomed to seeing a car flying. Right. And eventually, like, it was in the muggle, like, paper and everything. Yeah, so that happened. Uh, they almost, they think they're going to get expelled, but they're not, obviously. But the Whomping Willow, that was the first time that we were introduced to that. And that nearly killed them. And then the car kind of just drove off into the Forbidden Woods for some reason. <laughs> they never explain it, but, you know, but it's, it's a good thing. It after did. it ejected them and all of their stuff, it literally yes. like kicked them out. He's like, I am done with you guys. You guys almost got me destroyed. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> almost got me destroyed several times. Yeah. I love how some things in this in this world just have a life of their own. Anyway, so throughout the course of the movie... We start hearing whispers, uh, or I should say Harry starts hearing whispers, that are unexplained. Uh, he's, he's hearing these threats like, I will rip you, I will tear you, I will kill you. And all of a sudden people start becoming petrified. You know, it starts with uh, Mrs. Norris, the cat, then it happens to Colin Creevy, and then it happens to... Or no, it happens to the other kid first. The kid that Harry... What's his name? That one kid. Anyway, it happens to another kid. And it also happens to Nicholas... Or nearly headless... Nearly headless Nick. And then finally it happens to Hermione. So it happens throughout the, the course of the film several times. Until someone's actually taken into the Chamber of Secrets to die. Right. And we find out that that's Jenny we Weasley... Yeah, that's actually a really good scene. You know, the fact that Ron and Harry were there to, like, just, exp you know, see that McGonagall was distraught. And, you know, all the teachers are like, oh, well, the schools are going to have to close now. And that's that's ultimately when they bring or they they task Gilderoy to, to do that, uh, you know, go into the chamber. But we'll talk about that a little bit later because we're, we're going ahead of ourselves a little bit. So... There's a lot that happens, you know, we can talk a little bit about the the Quidditch match because I think that was probably the most exciting Quidditch match that we see play out in the movies. Right, and uh, it was actually in this scene where I was really thinking about the music. I was like, man, this really sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, there, there was something to it that it just it just felt like Star Wars. But yeah, no, it was interesting because there was, uh, I mean, we find out later, but uh, somebody had uh, pretty much bewitched uh, a bludger to follow Harry. And that thing was like going yeah. at him. Yeah, even after the, the match was over. But it, it made the match really exciting. You know, I was thinking, though, someone like Dumbledore definitely has the wherewithal to be able to stop this bludger. He just lets it play out. You know? like, <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like... He's a crazy old man. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> that thing is obviously bewitched, but I'm just going to just let it go. I'm, I'm going to let it play. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to let it play out. Play I, I want to see this match. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, do you remember the Harry Potter Puppet Pal? Yes. Series? the the funniest possible series um i love how they made dumbledore just a crazy person a crazy <laughs> old man because that's ultimately what he is he's a crazy old man <laughs> this is a, let, let things play out yeah and and then you actually like kind of realize 
you, you find out even more so the later you get into the series. Yeah, for sure. I, I like the fact that even though Malfoy's father gave the Slytherin team, you know, the, the best possible broomsticks at the time, you know, they all got Nimbus 2001s. It's the model even uh, better than Harry's model. Harry still gets the snitch. He's still the better player. You know, he's still more determined. It's not necessarily about how good of a how good your equipment is, basically. It's it's all about heart at the end of the day and skill. And Harry defeats Malfoy in that. And I love the look on Lucius's face when uh, Draco like falls on his butt. Yeah, like li- literally falls on his butt too. Yeah, I love it looked that. painful. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he definitely split his pants there. <laughs> But yeah, and then uh, Harry, he breaks an arm because the bludger hits him. He ultimately wins the match. And then, you know, your boy scurries on over, you know, says, hey, let me mend that arm. <laughs> and then even Harry at this point is like, no, anybody but you. <laughs> I know. And he's just like, the boy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, man, he's the worst, dude. Him and Dobby are just the worst. <laughs> the agents of chaos. Yeah, Dobby's trying to kill him, or maim him, quote-unquote, and he's clearly just com- completely incapable of doing anything. And you'd, you'd think that uh, to keep his anonymity in terms of like how good he actually is, he would do as little as possible. Because he's clearly bad at everything he does, except for memory charms. Right? <laughs> right. So, so you'd think, like, let me not duel the best duelist in the school, but no... Let me duel Snape. I got this. He's so his his self worth is so high. It almost deludes himself. He he deludes himself into believing that he's capable of doing all this stuff. But he's he's just the worst. Right. And and it's funny because he gets like knocked onto his butt and he's like he he's like you know essentially like I, I allowed you to do do that but you know I, I have the the perfect counter for that. <sighs> Dude, I hate him. I hate him so much. Although you know what playing. Uh, you know going back to when we were kids the chamber of secrets game was so fun i think that was the height of the harry potter games for me because you know you'd go around campus um it was it was markedly better from sorcerer's stone you'd go around campus you'd learn uh stuff from like the dueling club which was what we saw in this movie and you learned how to like defend yourself and it was really cool the the best part of the chamber of secrets game for me was collecting all the chocolate frogs that were like scattered around <laughs> Hogwarts. Oh man! So that was fun. That's uh, that's a memory I, I I cherish from like my gaming days. But anyway, we continue. Uh, during the duel, Gilderoy Lockhart and Snape decide that they're going to bring people from their houses up. So they bring up Harry and Draco to go at it. And Draco uses a, a spell called Serpent Sortia, and that basically produces a snake right uh, like a a magic snake and for whatever reason again gilderoy is like i can handle this and basically like if you if you translate his <laughs> his spell all it does is uh it, it literally means to throw up like throw something up into the air w- what was that going to do <laughs> like this guy's Rattle a total snake dummy <laughs> yeah anyway so it starts like trying to attack one of the students and Harry starts speaking in parcel tongue and this is actually that would actually be really creepy yeah you know 
thinking about yeah. it from the outside in. Even Snape is just like, no way, what? Like, just the look on his face is just like, this is a twist, you know? What's crazy is that Snape probably knows why Harry is able to speak in parcel tongue. He's probably the only one in that room that, that knows the real story of, like, how Harry's mother died and, and everything. Uh, even Harry doesn't know at this point. So it's kind of crazy looking at his expression in that scene. But anyway, uh, the, the rest of the kids are freaked out. I love the uh, the part where they go back into the Gryffindor common room and they're just like, oh, that's what you were trying to do. It looked like you were egging the snake on. Which it can, in, in a way it kind of did um, with like the way that he kind of looked a little intensely at the snake and it really, really did look like he was kind of egging it on until, you know, towards the end of that interaction where the snake backs off. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that um that's a great scene there's so many great scenes in this movie and overall the the sense of adventure is is pretty cool they they end up trying to figure out who the heir of slytherin is because on the on the chamber walls uh where you know it's written in blood like the heir of slytherin it has returned and it's going to open up the chamber of secrets and all that and this is happening alongside all the kids being uh attacked by by the snake or you know you don't know it's a snake yet at this point but and that's ultimately why they have the duel. Like, the dueling club is so that they can protect themselves and protect the students a little bit better. Then we get into, like, the whole uh, polyjuice potion bit of the movie, which I find, I, I think is actually pretty fun. Even though, if this was real, this would be the most illegal thing possible. Right. Knocking someone out, like, drugging them, which is what Hermione does to Crab and Goyle. She literally drugs them. <laughs> with with these treats and everything uh and then they basically masquerade masquerade as crab and goyle and into the slytherin common room right right that that potion alone should just be illegal shouldn't it it's it's first of all it's disgusting why why do all three of the kids drop the glass like why can't they just like put it on the floor nicely or like drop it into the sink they all drop it onto the floor and it shatters and every time i'm like why did they all have to do like <laughs> were they just following suit but yeah and and then it takes so long to brew this thing yeah it wasn't it like over a month yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like <laughs> i remember like the first time i was like damn a month that's long that, that, that is way too long they they were trying to decipher or determine whether malfoy was the heir of slytherin right. or not and I feel like there's a much easier way to determine if this guy is the heir of Slytherin or not. They they could very easily have gone into the library and looked at like pureblood uh, pure family lines. And Malfoy is like one of the 13 families that's like pureblooded that reaches back thousands of years or a thousand years or something like that. They could have easily traced that back. Right. If if he was or wasn't like, but no, they had to go the the long way route and <laughs> find the most complicated potion of all time. That ta- that takes a month to brew, <laughs> right? And anyway, it's a it's a I do like the scene, even though it is a little creepy. Uh, it, like the logistics of it are creepy and would be totally illegal if it, if it were real, right? But you know, in the movie, in the book, it's fun. You know, it's it's fun seeing them inhabit. Uh, other people's bodies in terms of seeing them like try to play the part and everything right um uh, 
the the crab and goyle actors did a really good job at that too like seeming seeming like their characters but not really like out of character yeah yeah actually that's a good way to put it so i uh, it kind of sucks because that's the most acting that we see out of the out of those two kids um and the entirety of the the series they they do pop up here and again obviously they 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 show up for the rest of the the series but that's the most screen time they get is in this movie what was the the reading the reading line was in this one right yeah <laughs> it was like oh we had harry's yeah, glasses like, on you wear glasses yeah i was doing a bit of reading you read <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you could read <laughs> oh my gosh uh, yeah that that line always cracks is, me up i think that was improv actually if i remember correctly from from like the special features so the fact that tom felton uh was able to come up with that is pretty funny and so Tom Tom Felton, the kid who played Draco Malfoy, is actually the oldest of all the kids by a long shot. Like he was like four years older than Daniel Radcliffe in Sorcerer's Stone, but he looked like a kid. Right. And then he had the he had the biggest jump in terms of physical appearance in between this film and Chamber or uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber. That's why he looked so significantly older in this one. Yeah, he did look uh, a bit older than than they did when he when there was like that jump but he still looked around their age yeah yeah they 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 cast that character well i liked i liked that a lot so there's that uh the polyjuice potion scene they find out that draco has no idea who the heir of slytherin is and i do love the little interactions where he the draco keeps saying like really nasty things about harry and hermione and uh the weasleys and um dumbledore and they're just acting up uh you know harry and harry and ron and crab and goyle's bodies because they're still themselves so they're they're reacting like harry and ron would but they should be acting like crab and goyle would so i love i love what's gotten into you too dude yeah that was that was really good and then uh hermione she accidentally uh she accidentally took the hair of a cat yeah, which which you know she she pulled out a bunch of hair and in the great hall and showed Harry and Ron like this is this person's hair, but it was very short. It was clearly had it was clearly like animal hair. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a female student's hair. Oh yeah, and um, and I think it what was it for it was supposed to be Pansy Parkinson. Yes, and yeah, I and her so. hair is like longer. Yeah, so I don't know what <laughs> what were you Hermione thinking, thinking, Hermione? I would love to know what Madame Pomfrey, the school nurse, thought about the fact that this girl brewed a potion for over a month and did it wrong and now has to fix someone who's, uh, you know, basically like a human slash cat. <laughs> because, because apparently, like, it took a couple days to fix. <laughs> that was literally cat girl right there. All right, let's let's move forward a little bit. We have to talk about the diary. Right, right. We have to talk about the diary. Uh, Harry, he finds it, right? Or was it with Ginny? It was with right. Ginny, but Ginny threw it through Morning Myrtle's head, and that's why Morning Myrtle flooded the bathroom, which is why Harry found the um, the diary. That's so let's right. let's dive into that. Yeah, when Harry gets the diary, we we see him take it to the Gryffindor common room. It's completely empty. 
And the only noticeable thing is that on the back of it, it reads Tom Mar Marvolo Riddle. What I find kind of interesting, and I guess I kind of understand it, why didn't Harry look up Lord Voldemort? Like, I feel like he would know who the serial killer that killed his parents' real name was. Oh, um, yeah, that's By this right. point. But, you know, I, I can suspend disbelief. If, if that's what the person and everyone else calls them, besides, like, he who shall not be named and everything, then I can, I can understand Harry's um, reticence to actually, like, look up what his real name is. He might have actually thought Voldemort was his real name. Right, right. And uh, there's the... And there's also, like, such a fear behind Lord Voldemort that he, if he had asked questions, people would probably give him short answers. Or, he, like, even if he, like, looked it up, a lot of people probably didn't keep enough, um, like, publication on him because they thought it was, like, a curse. I mean, just even saying his name alone, they thought that it would bring him back. Yeah, it was almost, um, it was a taboo to talk about him. So maybe, maybe the library wouldn't have had any information on Voldemort. Maybe it was such recent history that it wasn't even considered history at that point. So it wouldn't have been included. Um, I'm sure Vold or I'm sure Dumbledore would have told Harry a little bit if, if he had asked, but that's, that's a story for another day. So anyway, he goes into the diary. He, he starts writing like, I forget what he what he st like starts writing, but oh, it, he realizes that the ink sunk into the page. Oh yeah, he went um, to go write like on a blot it. of yeah. ink, and that would be you know first sign that something's wrong. You know, if I start writing in something and it starts disappearing, sh ripping that thing up straight into the trash, throwing it in the dumpster. <laughs> uh, especially when it starts writing back to me, that that's just a big no no. You know, <laughs> that, that would be really creepy. If if you're writing something in a notebook and something starts writing back, yeah, that that would that would ruin he my would, life for sure. He would probably well, he's probably like, I mean, because there's a lot about the wizarding world that he's naive about, and so that you know, for all he knows, that's probably a nor a normal thing. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. But and we know that he's still fresh to the concept of being a wizard and what like is weird versus what is normal to him because the fact that he speaks parcel tongue and thinks that other students must also right. speak parcel tongue or the fact that he's hearing voices in his head and other other people aren't hearing voices in their head it suddenly like it doesn't click for him that this isn't normal behavior right so maybe he just is unclear about what's normal and what's not normal behavior for uh you know a journal to to yeah, do so anyway he's writing about the journal yeah he's talking about um uh hi i'm i'm tom marvolo riddle uh can, do you know about the chamber of secrets yes can you tell me about it no <laughs> dot 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 but i can show you and then harry just gets sucked into this black and white world which is actually another really cool effect you know it's it's a simple enough thing to do but it's always satisfying when you're seeing something black and white and then one thing is in color. And in this case, it's Harry Potter, who has a very bright red sweater on. And he's just inhabiting this memory, basically. And uh, we know, we later find out, like, down the line, that this memory is only, only exists in this diary because it's part of Voldemort's soul. It's like one-seventh or one-eighth, actually. Right, right. We, well. we find out what it actually is in the, the last film. Or the last, I think it's like part one of the last film. 
No, no, no. I think it's actually in... Um, we learn about the Horcruxes in Half-Blood Prince. Because that's when uh, Dumbledore and Harry start going on the hunt for them. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, you're you're totally correct. It's in the last one where they like start like kind of looking around for it. Yeah, they or at least they start looking around for more basilisk basilisk fangs because that's one of the things that can kill it. Anywho, we find we learn about the Chamber of Secrets and how like 50 years ago it was opened up, and it you know Voldemort basically blames it all on Hagrid, which dude Hagrid's had a rough life. <laughs> he really has. he took the fall. He took the fall for some girl dying in the bathroom uh, just just because he had a, a, a big spider in a box. And I, I always feel bad for Hagrid, which is why I love this movie so much. Or it's one of the reasons I love it so much. You know, the, the final scene where Hagrid comes back and he's like, sorry, I'm late. And everyone cheers him on. It's like, you know, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's one of my favorite scenes uh, of all yeah. Harry Potter. We, we learn more about that. Uh, we learn more about the Chamber of Secrets being opened. And uh, then, you know, Harry gets pushed back into the real world. And, you know, life continues for a little bit until someone is, has taken the diary from his bedroom and destroyed everything in, 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 in its wake. Like, how, how hard must Harry have hidden that book <laughs> for Jenny to have ripped up curtains, like broken glass windows... Things were totally overturned. Like, she did so much damage. That, like, 11-year-old girl did so much damage in that room just to find a diary. That was probably on the table, you know? <laughs> Harry probably didn't remove it from the table. So, there's that. You know, there's, there's very little bit to talk about between, like, what we've been talking about up until the end. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Hagrid gets, gets sent to uh, Azkaban... Dumbledore gets suspended because of all the stuff that's happening, and Hermione Hermione gets um, petrified as well. She does, yeah. And you and you you also actually find out that the reason why that they don't get killed is because every single one of these beings that got petrified, kind of they looked indirectly into the eyes of the basilisk, whether it be a, um, a reflection or through something else. Yeah, this is not a very good basilisk. You know, he he was very bad at his job. <laughs> All he had to do was look into someone's right. eyes to kill them, and he just he he's very bad at his job. So he petrifies what five individuals? So Hermione, Colin Creevy, the other kid, the other Gryffindor kid, Mrs. Norris. And nearly nearly headless nearly headless Nick. Why can't I say that name? I, obviously, nearly headless Nick probably looked at it straight, but he can't die twice, so it doesn't really count. So four four individuals uh, on four different occasions. This basilisk, this assassin basilisk, failed. Anyway, so we end up learning that Ginny Weasley has been taken, and Ron and Harry end up helping or trying to help Gilderoy Lockhart in finding the Chamber of Secrets, only to find that he's. Uh, basically starting to pack up to run. Yeah, that was hilarious. So they, they bring him over to spot where they think the Chamber of Secrets is. Uh, Morning Myrtle explains that she was the girl that died all those years ago, and the last thing she remembers seeing is those two big yellow eyes from that sink right there, which conveniently has a little snake on it. 
Right. They go into the Chamber of Secrets after a little parcel tongue magic from Harry. And that's where we are at the end of the, the movie, basically. So that's that's kind of the, the big climactic finale is Harry finds Ginny, like, unconscious on the floor and like a mostly living apparition of Tom Marvola Riddle, who tells Harry that I am Lord Voldemort, which is kind of a fun little acronym of his name. Yeah. Or anagram. Sorry, it might be anagram. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that was really cool. And we, we were talking about the CGI and the CGI for the Basilisk was actually pretty good too. Um, and there was also some practical moments for it also which was like really awesome yeah we spoke about practical effects a lot in our dune coverage in the last episode but this is also a movie that incorporates a lot of practical as well and with the basilisk you can just tell there are certain scenes that just look real you know it's not all cgi in fact probably half of it was practical and i i really appreciate that you know the, the scene where harry is stabbing through the basilisk and it's like cutting him and everything with its teeth yeah that's practical it's not cg yeah that was really cool. and it, it just because it looks tangible because it looks real it just feels i don't know there, there's there's more of an emotional attachment there you know instead of just a computerized object so i appreciate that a lot they do the same thing with uh with fox the phoenix with fox and with Aragog. We, we didn't talk about Aragog, but I hate that scene so much. So, <laughs> that's my least favorite scene of all the Harry Potter scenes, even though it's in my favorite movie. Aragog and the, the spiders. Uh, the spiders are mostly CGI, but Aragog was uh, was a big puppet. Yeah, and they learn... Uh, and uh, Hagrid sends them there to like learn more about what's going on and what's in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. We're we're so all over the place with this movie, but it is a long one, so please uh, cut us some slack. But we're jumping back and forth, back and forth. We hope our uh, conversation and our coverage of this film is at least eye-opening in certain degrees. You know what, what was eye-opening to me, actually? When, when Harry, Ron, and Hermione go back to the common room and we are talking, they're talking about Parseltongue and how, like, they didn't realize that's what Harry was saying to the snake. In the background the fireplace the flue is closed so there's a bunch of smoke getting into this room and it's actually really bad you know for you to <laughs> inhale that so these poor kids are acting while there's just a bunch of smoke being let into the the ceiling I'm, i i wonder if the fire alarm went off actually in the in the studio that they were filming that in because that was that was a lot of smoke in the background of that scene anyway little random thing <laughs> that Dakota noticed. Again, uh, back to the chamber that is secret. One of my favorite scenes is actually when Gilderoy tries to steal Ron's, oh, uh, yeah. Ron's wand, and Ron's wand backfires all the time, and he ends up casting the spell on himself, the memory charm, and he's just a He's just an idiot, you know? Right, right. He's, <laughs> he's like, just like, he... do you live here? <laughs> he's like, hello, who are you? <laughs> who am I? I love I love when Ron's like, no, and just hits him with a rock. <laughs> I know, he's like, I don't have time to deal with this. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love stuff like that. So, anyway, Harry comes up with the bright idea to stab the diary 
with a basilisk, basilisk fang, not knowing that it's one of the only things in existence that can kill a Horcrux. Um, very lucky that, uh, you know, Lord Voldemort surrounds himself with dangerous objects. So <laughs> that that worked out in their favor in this instance. It's also interesting that Harry was able to summon the Gryffindor sword. Yeah. And I like that it came out of the house. Right, right. You know, like he was able to pull it out of the house. Yeah, um, Fox comes in. He uh, Fox comes in twice. Once to blind the basilisk, so the ba- so he can't. So essentially, he saved Harry from being killed by looking into the eyes of the basilisk, and um, so he made like the fight a little bit easier for him. And then, yeah, he brought the sword that. But he he brought the sorting hat where the the sword of Gryffindor kind of just appears in it. Yeah. So uh, there's those two instances where Fox comes in. And there's also the instance where he comes back to, like, cry into Harry's wound. You're right. Which right. saves his life. Right. And yeah. this is, like, one so of the practical scenes with yes. Fox. Yeah. So I like that a lot. And Fox is super strong. Yeah, so early in the film, like when, when Harry first walks in in Dumbledore's office and Fox burns up and he doesn't realize that Phoenix is like, you know, come come back to life in in a, in their ashes and everything. Um, Dumbledore says that they are like remarkable creatures. Um, they can carry a bunch of weight and their tears have healing ability. And we see both of those things uh, utilized uh, in in this climax. And it's almost kind of a cop-out a little bit because it's, it's, it's literally a god in the machine. But, uh, or I should say he's, he's not a god in the machine in this instance because they prefaced it earlier in the movie that he was able to do all these things. And then he did it anyway. Yeah, it was so, funny. <laughs> And then Lockhart's like, oh my gosh, it's like magic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, so, this guy's an idiot. There's a bunch of really great stuff in this movie. And we can probably keep talking about little individual scenes. Oh yeah, scenes no, of course. Forever. I do want to touch upon the final scene when, uh, you know, Hermione comes back. And, you know, Harry and Ron are so excited to see her. And I love that it's, you know, it's Ron that pops his head out first. Because... You know, eventually, like, they, they get together as a couple. But you can start to see the crush develop in this instance because you could see that he's very much, uh, he's very close with her. And then there's that awkward moment where he doesn't want to hug uh, <laughs> yeah. Hermione and she doesn't want to hug him because there's something there, but we don't see it yet, you know? And then, of course, the Hagrid scene when he walks in. And he's just like, sorry, I'm late. <laughs> and uh, he starts talking about the, the owl that w- that got lost in transit, Errol. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, and Ron is kind of like, ooh, whoops. <laughs> um, yeah. But this is one of the more touching scenes for me. Because really, there is no Hogwarts for Harry without Hagrid. Hagrid was there. Right at the start of his wizarding journey. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of came full circle for him in this film where he was able to save Hagrid from a life of imprisonment. Right, right. You know, he introduced Hag- him to this whole world. He was the one that brought him into a place where he felt like he had belonged. Yeah, if you think about it, Hagrid took Harry out of a life of imprisonment from the Dursleys. So it kind of came full circle in the sense that Harry got or like got Hagrid out of prison. 
uh, from Azkaban. So it's kind of, you know, there's a little bit of a parallel there. I might just be looking into things too hard, but um, the when, when everyone starts clapping, I love that scene because you know Hagrid is probably one of the most overlooked individuals in the Wizard oh, World. Oh yeah, no, Just of because of who he is. You know, he lives in a hut outside of a school and uh, he's just the, the, the gamekeeper basically at this point. He's not a... He, he doesn't you know have any pro- like professorial duties at this point so that was just a really nice moment for hagrid because this is a character who probably doesn't realize his self-worth with the students and with the school and with others because he's been so neglected and so beaten down over the years you know he was falsely accused of murdering someone um 50 years ago and stuff so it's cool that pretty much the entire great hall gives him that moment yeah no it's nice and hagrid is a great character and i do think that it's great that we we continue to see him as the story keeps on going and and that relationship that he has with harry and and ron and hermione that it just it grows and really like it's like a it's familial essentially like their family yeah they are and at the end of the day it's 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 a it is feel good even though there's a lot of yeah. like crazy stuff that happens you know there's a lot of like um crazy drama and you know life-threatening things that occur at the end of the day it's a feel-good movie and that's why i love right, it so right right no no i agree i agree any final thoughts this film is good very well said <laughs> yeah i don't think i i don't think i can say it as concisely myself you know i i think it's a really it's like it's kind of a perfect film for its time yeah, too yeah. you know especially considering at least on a personal level you know this this film came out the actors were maybe a year or two older than we were when these movies were coming out so right right it was a lot easier for us to connect to these films because we essentially grew up with the characters it was a cool it was a cool little thing that happened when we were yeah you know and uh kids that watch these films nowadays i'm sure they can still get a little bit of that but there was something there was something in the moment in that time period for us that was just that just made it a little closer to home i guess i don't know Anyway, I think that's our coverage of the Chamber of Secrets. We hope to cover The Prisoner of Azkaban sometime in 2022. But uh, if you are interested in checking out what our upcoming episodes are, you can go over to our Twitter, PGecology, to uh, see the basic lineup of the rest of the year and when everything's going to drop. So I'm excited about the the future content that we're going to be talking about here on the show. Next week, we should be covering Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Yes. Yes, we will. And then that'll be essentially a part two to our Dune discussion. Yeah, because uh, if you haven't listened to our Dune discussion from last week, we actually we had a lot to say and a lot of confusion uh, mixed in with that. So I hope that the upcoming Dune film will help allay some of that confusion and recontextualize what we saw in David Lynch's doing. Yes. So we will get back to you on that after we see the new movie. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to us here for our 30, 31st, for our 41st episode. Yes. And 
Uh, we hope to hear your comments it, either on social media. We'd love to continue the conversation as we go, as well as uh, please be sure to leave us any positive feedback on you know wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts because uh, we, we love reading that stuff on the show. We love reading it you know on our day to day lives because seeing positive confirmation that we are uh you know people are listening to us and interacting with the content goes a long way yes uh, i agree we love reading this stuff and we love building on that and just getting better yeah all right guys thanks for listening we hope you listen in next week for our coverage of dune have a good one bye